0: Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom in their bodies through smarter and safer movement patterns, so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings around us. I hope you're having a wonderful day. And my goal is to help you feel even more wonderful in your body and in your spirit. As I've spoken about before, I feel like the body is the vehicle through which we can improve how we feel mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And movement is a huge part of that. Sometimes, however, movement is not always the end all be all. In other words, we need to apply a little bit more to movement to feel our best. And that's when manual therapy can come in. So today I'm going to speak of manual therapy, what it is, and why it could help you if you have some restrictions or um, compressions or anything in the body that is not fully being addressed with different movement patterns. In general, what happens is we move in a particular way over and over again. Or we sit and we stand in a particular way over and over again. And then the tissues that surround the bones adapt to our movement patterns. So even if we were moving a lot, we do tend to move the same way a lot. And so we can develop imbalances that way. And then, of course, from sitting or standing certain ways over and over again, we can adapt, our tissues can adapt um, to imbalances there as well. And take that into whatever movement practice you're doing, whether it's yoga, but you could also apply this to running, to biking, to aerobics. And you're going to have those same imbalances in place. And they may improve, especially with someone who is paying attention to your alignment and your form. But they might just be exaggerated. They might just um, not particularly make a lot of progress. And that's when Not only having somebody help you with the way you move, but having someone address any of the restrictions that might be in the underlying tissues. So that's manual therapy. Manual therapy can come in and manually, meaning using your hands, can help you um, release some restricted areas. And that's usually what's going to happen. And those restricted areas are not necessarily restricted because they're tight and strong. They could be tight and weak, but they're still restricted. And so someone's hands can really bring information into that area to help it um, release a little bit. I'm about to do an upcoming module for um, adjustments in manual therapy. And so I'm getting all ready to talk about this for 20 hours. And I love it because I have people... um, Not necessarily yoga teachers, but yoga teachers, also personal trainers, other manual therapy people, or anyone who's interested in learning how to apply manual therapy techniques to either their students or clients or even themselves. So I teach also some self-adjustment and myofascial releases. This is hard to get into 20 hours, but we cover a lot and what we start by looking at is movement patterning and what happens in movement patterning, meaning we have to look at how someone is at rest, You know what their posture looks like, and then we look at what strength and mo- mobility are available in all the different joints and what have what is the adaptability, meaning how have they um, done a, a movement or a position long enough that has created the habitual way they move or stand. So we have to investigate all of that. And that's m- because movement happens through these kind of chain reactions. Like there's moving parts where each motion activates um, neighbors, neighboring um, movements. So if, 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 I'm, if I have a set of muscles that are activating through movement, that sparks activation in neighboring muscles. And and healthy movement or healthy mechanics depends on these kind of um, chain reaction and the the available range of motion in the joints. Now imagine if we have this kind of chain reaction in motor firing, but there's some pliability that is impaired. So just imagining, um, a lot of times I think of like some kind of molding so if you had a mold that had some like play-doh and there was it was movable like you could take it in your hands and move it and and then you could roll it out and take it into another shape like a circle or flatten it out and then cut it into triangles or it's mobile it's pliable and that's kind of how your tissues are but imagine part of that play-doh has been dried out and you can imagine that that would Affect the surrounding plato, how it is able to move or not move, and that's very much what your the tissues are in your body so you have muscles and in around the muscles you have what's called fascia, and fascia is A very, it's really a trendy um, term now, which is awesome. We've been talking about it in the PT world for a long time. And even uh, I would say doctors didn't really recognize the impact of fascia for for many years and decades, in fact. So, fascia is if you have the Play Doh, which would be like the muscle, imagine putting over that a light kind of cheesecloth and then putting that in between like one. Um, can of Play-Doh and another can of Play-Doh and another. And then it would encase all of that Play-Doh and connect it. So that's called myofascia. Myo means muscle and fascia is this connective tissue that is running around the muscle and running through the different muscle um, connections. It encases, covers the muscles, it covers the nerves, it covers arteries, it covers organs. It's everywhere. So the cool thing about um, learning myofascial techniques is you can't really go wrong because it covers everything. So if there's an area that's restricted and you get a sense of what that feels like, which is what I teach, like how to use your fingers to feel the um, underlying resting kind of tension or stuckness in the myofascia. Once you get a feeling of that, you can start to learn how to help that area soften, release. It's also called melting. And there are techniques for that. So I'm just giving you this information so you can know whether or not you ever study it with me. You can go to someone who does myofascial work and uh, and have them do this on you if you feel like you've got areas in your body that never change. Like I have people that will write me or if I have privates with them, they'll say, I've had this thing that feels like a fist, a hardened fist that's just right between my scapula or that's at the base of my spine and it never goes away. I feel like it's been there for years and so that they're describing for the most, I'm almost, you know, I would obviously investigate more, but for the most part, they're probably describing an area of real restricted bound fascia. So imagine that kind of hardened Play-Doh, that hardened clay, because fascia is made of both collagen and elastin and hydrogen molecules. And so when you um, stand, sit, move in a particular way, and you do that over and over again, the great thing about fascia is it's adaptable. The downer about fascia is it's adaptable. So it's going to adapt, meaning it's gonna mold to how you move. So unless you are someone that has moved in a variety of ways, in a variety of planes, using um, joint mobility, meaning in the joint, and not um, over-taxing your joints, throughout your entire life, you probably have some some restrictions in your myofascia. Those are areas of communication. So fascia is known as a connector, but I think it's also even more a communicator. So it is communicating to you and it gives you little signals to begin with and then they become louder. And those signals are, hey, the way you are moving, sitting, standing, or not moving, Sitting and standing um, are are affecting you and are affecting you in this area. And I'm going to t- start talking about it really loudly. So the fascia is, I think, the first line of defense because it's going to communicate um, how you are being imbalanced, how you are moving in an imbalanced way. So what I do is I teach people um, how to use their hands, manual therapy, meaning using your hands and not to at all um, underestimate the power of going to somebody who has had years of experience and academics and all that. But I do want to say, if you have hands, you're going to be able to do manual therapy. You just have to learn and, and start doing it. You start touching bodies and feeling what, where does, where do you get a sense of um, tautness? Where do you get a sense of um, the the skin is, Gliding well or not gliding well, you can really feel a lot through your fingertips. They have tons of nerve connections. And that's the manual therapists that I think are the most successful are the ones who really listen with their hands, who are able to go put your, their hands on you and feel without digging or anything what's kind of happening underneath. So, manual therapy techniques that I teach um, allow people to get into the the tissues and feel the underlying restrictions and help to improve the um, extensibility, the mobility of the tissue. And by doing that, we will help people increase their range of motion. We'll help people um, relax. You can imagine if you're held in a position and then there's underlying tautness, that isn't fraying up, that's really restricted, that's grabbing, like kind of that hardened clay, that can create a lot of tension, literal tension in your central nervous system. And so with with um, manual therapy, you can actually help people induce relaxation. You can help with any inflammation in the area with manual therapy. So if you have an area that is too mobile and it's moving over and over again, and the tissue is trying to tell you to stop doing what you're doing because it's it's putting too much demand, then you can get inflammation. And that inflammation has its own set of issues. I mean, inflammation is great. It's made to communicate to you, uh, the vehicle, stop doing what you're doing. I'm going to make it really swollen and hard for you to move here. But you also, the, the, the inflammatory soup that comes into an inflamed area can kind of stay there and be stagnant. And sometimes that needs help moving out so that the area can um, heal and regenerate in any way it needs to. So those are ways that um, I've learned as a physical therapist, but I also teach yoga teachers who are not physical therapists how to do this. And this brings into question, like, what are, what is everyone's comfort at providing hands-on adjustments? And so I want to take a moment and just speak to that. And I, of course, would love to hear your feedback. I've touched thousands of bodies and really only one time did someone look at me with darts in her eyes, like, don't, you know, freaking touch me. And it was at a very large um festival type situation. So it was not someone I'd ever taught before. And so she might've had some trust issues and me coming, coming over to her, even with the best intentions, she didn't want that. But aside from that thousands of people I have touched and they respond positively because human touch is really needed. And it's unfortunately, um, we're, we're becoming, uh, starved of touch um, in our very electronic-based society where we do a lot of our interaction and communication online with people in front of a screen. And that touch is so healing. And I always say, if your intentions are good, then the touch is so healing. So as a yoga teacher, I go and I um, provide adjustments, which I would say help alignment. So I look at adjustments more as an enhancement. What I don't do is ever push anybody deeper into a pose. I never push with the intention of helping you acquire more range of motion. I would not ever do that. And here's why. If you aren't acquiring it on your own through active range of motion, I am certainly not going to press on you to go deeper, quote unquote. And um, that is where... Yoga teachers, unfortunately, and I'm sure this is in other disciplines as well, but I'm just more familiar with yoga, have injured people by sitting on them, by standing on them, by leaning on them to get them deeper, quote unquote, into something. And if I were to redefine anything, I would love to redefine that because there's no need to press on a joint and multiple joints to get deeper into it. What I would say for those people who have learned that and would like something different to do is learn how to apply some pressure to the tissue. That's very different than pressing into a joint. Light manual um, tissue, and and I would would save this mostly for privates. I do do it in um, some classes when I know that students really well or I've at least been a little time with them and I'll come up and especially along their extensors of their spine or down by the, by the ilium, by the pelvis, where the QL is giving some people a really nice release, but in down dog, because they are weight bearing through their hands and their feet, which is going to be safer for them. I would never do it in a seated forward fold. And I will PS have a whole thing on seated forward folds because so many people have been asking me about that but I really strongly do not recommend pressing on anybody in a seated forward fold for a variety of reasons. They don't have their um, mechanisms of protection in in because they're not weight-bearing through their feet. So weight-bearing through the feet is a much safer place to do any of that kind of glide on the tissues. So manual therapy can be applied with the intention of, of, of facilitating more energy flow, and if that sounds woo woo to you what I really mean is that if there's a stuckness in the tissue then there is a stuckness in the energy there is it's just it's just think it's just not going to flow as well think of water if we're 70% water more than 70% water then if there's any kind of clogged areas the the flow is not going to go there and this is more for another day, and I really talk about this a lot in my teaching. When you when you study with me, I talk about the current of energy that is not woo woo that has actually been measured, um, the piezoelectric effect, and other things, ground reaction force. These really physics properties, but know that that when I'm when I'm talking about it, it's not like this woo woo thing. It is measurable and. When there is um, stuck places in the body, in the, where the tissue is bound, the blood flow is not going there. The lymph system is not flowing. Um, if it's if 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 there's lymph vessels near there, they can also be constricted and clogged. So there is a literal like um, lack of flow. And so you can use your hands to help out with that. And so learning how to do that is magical for the people that you you'll be working with. Um, say somebody has scoliosis, for instance. And so one side of their spine is going to have more mobility because it's being stretched. And then one side is going to have a lot less. It's very restricted. Well, the side that's restricted is usually stronger, but very tight. So they need to get, the people with scoliosis need to learn how to, they're never going to change their spine per se. They can change small amounts depending on how old and how long the the, the spine has been curving. But the, you can create more of a balance by stretching out, quote-unquote, the tighter side and getting manual therapy on that side. I mobilize people's ribs um, and in between their ribs in a gentle way. Mobilize sounds aggressive. It's not. Um, that would be a manipulation. That's, that's the kind of thrusting action. Mobilizing is really getting in and freeing up some of the stuff that can get bound down in there. So, I hope this gives you an idea of this type of work that I do and what I believe is is really safe and smart for people who are learning as yoga teachers or personal trainers how to apply some soft tissue mobilization, some myofascial work. The the fascia is such it has such an important job. It's supporting and um, it's supporting our bodies. Literally, there's parts of our bodies that are held up by the fascia. Iliotibial band is is one area, and we can talk about that at some point. But it surrounds and attaches to all the structures. And in and it, in its um, in, it, in its most balanced, healthy state, it, it's like it's imagine like a, a a ripple. It's like a it ripples. It ripples like a wave. And it has that mobility to, to conform to the way that we're moving. But we all have different experiences that might have um, had some, we've had trauma or inflammation or just again, that repetitive action where it loses some of this rippling pliability. And that's when coming in with some myofascial techniques can be so, so healing and 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 take you to a, a different place in your movement practice. So, um, understanding the practice of myofascial release is is really uh, beautiful, and I can teach it to anyone, lay person or experienced person, because the fascia again is so it has so many waves. It's all over the body. You can't really go wrong by helping helping one area. You're going to inevitably have an effect on the other. So I if you have any more questions about myofascia manual therapy, maybe join us. There's a few more spots in my upcoming module. I opened up a few spots. It was sold out, but I'm actually opening up a few spots. You can find more information online and look for more of that in the future. But I would love to hear any questions you have. When people ask me, oh gosh, I love when I see on Instagram you getting myofascial treatments or giving it where... Can I get something like this? This is what I tell people. Look up anyone who has had experience with um, John Barnes. He's a practitioner who has been teaching myofascial work for a long time. And in my experience, anyone who has had John Barnes training has amazing knowledge of the fascial system and how to apply myofascial work. So look up anyone with that. And then rolfing is also... A great source. So anyone that has gone through the Ida Rolf training, R O L F, uh, has also an amazing amount of knowledge. I mean, these people are going to have an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of knowledge. If you want to go and get someone working on you, I'd really recommend it. How is myofascia different than a regular kind of massage, manual therapy work? In a general massage, like if you go and get a massage, um, often those um, massage therapists are trained in different techniques, effleurage, petressage, or some of them. And I've been trained in these as well in, in physical therapy school. And you use um, oil or some kind of lubricant to help the gliding along the skin. And it's wonderful. It's really, really wonderful. It feels good. Uh, the way myofascia is different. And the, the reason that I prefer it for the most part. I, I look at massage as like really relaxing for the central nervous system. Whereas myofascial, I look at as really healing for the musculoskeletal system. And that also you know helps the nervous system, but it is um, not necessarily relaxing, although it shouldn't hurt, quote unquote. So good myofascial therapy, you shouldn't be gritting your teeth. You might feel some strong sensations, but you should always be able to breathe through them. So myofascial, um, the practitioner does not use oil. There's no medium um, that's going to be, I would say, blocking the communication between your finger, the fingertips and the skin. And, the, and so there is, a, I think, just a sophisticated communication that happens when you don't have the oil, where you can really feel where along the lines, the fascial lines, there is any kind of restriction. So that's the big difference. And I would recommend trying both out for sure. They have different effects, but if you have some known um, restricted areas And you might think it's just muscle tightness. It could indeed be myofascial, which is again, the fascia covering the muscle. And the way, remember um, having that cheesecloth over the Play-Doh, I came up with that analogy. I'm sure there's much better analogies by the way. Um, But that cheesecloth needs to slide over the Play-Doh. So when the cheesecloth would get stuck on it and kind of dried out and stuck on the Play-Doh, that is called myofascial adhesions. Um, so that's that's where the muscle isn't gliding. And sometimes we think, oh my gosh, my muscle is tight, but it's actually that the myofascia, the fascia over it isn't gliding well. And that is actually, I think, one of the easiest um, solvable myofascial restrictions that, that one can do. And I do that a lot in the yoga practice. I can just feel a little bit of restriction right on top of the muscle. It's not a big one. It's just the gliding itself. And just a little bit of compression with my hands can help that. So have a wonderful day. Use manual therapy. Use myofascial therapy for yourself. But if you're interested in learning more, please feel free to email me and ask me any questions. And maybe you can join us in one of our trainings at some point. Thank you so much. If you haven't already, Please share with friends, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and send a screenshot to podcast at movementbylara.com for a free class called move like it matters because it does. So move well, take care of yourself, and I'm sending my love to you. Bye.